All right, good morning, Rimrock Church. It is wonderful to be here with you. It's wonderful to see so many smiling, awake faces. I know this probably isn't early to you, but you guys are the early service, so it's always impressive to see this place full. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord this morning, so join us. Sure and 
Josh, I believe, is going to come up and give us some announcements. That, that sounded nice. connections so we'd love to see you there uh, another class at the 10:30 after this service at the 10:30 hour uh, is Brian Jameson and uh, he talks about teaching of the Quran about Jesus and so uh, I think they said it was George's class so um, we'd love to for you to kind of step in there and if that's something that you're interested uh, I've heard it's very interesting and uh, I'd love to see you there as well. Uh, so Good Friday is coming, uh, and more importantly, Resurrection Sunday and Easter is right afterwards. So if you uh, are interested in having or being baptized, we are uh, having a baptism that Good Friday, and so we'd love to celebrate uh, your commitment uh, to Jesus and, and what he's done and changed your life. Uh, that's think indoors so luckily we're not going out in the creek because that would be probably detrimental to your health and so uh but if you're interested either contact the 
contact the, um, the office or talk to any of the pastors, and they'd love to give you information about that. Uh, there is need for volunteers as well. So if that's something that you're able to help out with either Good Friday or uh, Easter Sunday, we'd love to, uh, to get your information with that as well. So there's lots to put information at the Welcome Center. So fill out that, um, give that to the Welcome Center, and then we'd contact you with that. Uh, the last thing is you should be either sitting on something or sitting next to it. It's a card. Uh, it looks really nice. So there's Good Friday and baptism on one side and then talks about resurrection or Easter Sunday on the other. If you have somebody that's God placed on your heart, if somebody that you've been talking to, a neighbor, what, whoever it is, uh, this is just a really easy talking point. You can just hand them and leave. It'd be a little weird, but... Uh, if you could just say, hey, we'd love to have you here. It's at, not here Easter Sunday. Good Friday is at, at Rimrock Church, but good, uh, Easter Sunday is at the Monument downtown. And so it's just, it's one of those things that we celebrate really the reason why we are here on Sunday because uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, Verse 14, that if Christ has not been raised, then our teaching, our preaching is useless, and, and also our faith. And so it's just something that is so important. And so if you have somebody that God's placed on your heart, we'd love you to give them this connection card. So feel free to take it from the chair that you're sitting on or next to it, and then give it to somebody uh, that uh, needs to see Jesus. So I believe that's it for announcements, and so let's pray, and then we'll get back to our service. So, dear Lord, just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this church and this body and who you've placed in our lives. Um, but ultimately, thank you for who you are and what you've done, not only uh, sending your son, but also resurrecting him. And so we just ask that you'll continue to be on the forefront of our minds. Uh, allow us to speak openly and honestly to those you've placed in our lives to really ultimately preach about you. So we love you and praise you. You are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
now one more time, just you guys behold. before you to worship you we are here for you god i pray that you continue to bring us to our knees in worship continue to remind us of all that we have to be in awe of with you we worship you god and we pray that you continue to speak to us this morning through nick you continue to bend our will to yours god that we are surrendered and we bow before your sovereign authority. We love you. In your name, amen. Good morning. Thank you, praise team, as always. Just a, an incredible ministry. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm part of the teaching team here at Rimrock Church. And this is my wife of 22 years, Sherry. And so we have uh, the topic of sexuality, so I thought I would be a fool to get up here alone. Um, I need some wisdom, so she's up here to help guide and then correct a lot of what I say wrong. Uh, most of you know, well, it's been a short series, so we just started last week. We, we got done with Judges, and then we entered into a three-week series that the teaching team kind of decided we want to take um, some cultural idols or some areas that our culture really misuses that is easy to get caught up in, easy to misuse ourselves, easy to get confused on. And so we're going to use Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 2, to be kind of our, our theme verse. And then from there, we're going to talk through, uh, one, how, what three topics that our culture really typically misplaces and that is just, we're surrounded in. And so how do we stay true to the word of God uh, in applying these things to our lives? So I'm going to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 to you, and then we'll, uh, we'll go onward. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Other translation says, which easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so kind of the, the primary words that we're going to pull out to frame our talk today on are this idea of laying aside one thing and then looking to or fixing our eyes on Jesus as the replacement. And so the things that we came up with as a team that we felt like were important to kind of evaluate and ensure that we renew our minds on. Ben last week preached on our culture's misuse of food and drink. This week we're going to discuss our culture's misuse of sexuality. And next week Bill's going to discuss our, our culture's misuse of image. And so again, one thing to lay something aside is to, to recognize the danger of it 
or even just the distraction of it. As Hebrew says, it's, it's weighty, um, but it's easy to entangle us and, and get, us, get our feet tied together. And so part of this is this idea of grabbing misconceptions, grabbing unhealthy practices, um, evaluating what is right, what is wrong, and being willing to put something aside, put something away, um, change directions. And then I'm really excited about this idea of looking to Jesus. And when I think through the idea of replacing a lie with truth, uh, I love the wording here because we know the truth is who? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the living word. John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to focus on or fix our eyes on the written word, which is just a testimony of the living word and the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we dive into that, our, our desire is that we would embrace God's design for sexuality, that we would, in a sense, really elevate our idea of sex and sexuality. Now, before I go a lot further, uh, I really believe that we were all created in the image of God. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but we were created, every person in this room, every person in this church, every child, uh, we were created as sexual beings. God did that on purpose. We were created as sexual beings to know God more fully and to make him known more fully. So it's not something that we need to blush about. It's not something we need to deny. It's not something, uh, it's something that needs talked about within the body of Christ, uh, within uh, your small groups, uh, with close friends. And so that's, that's really our desire today is to allow God to, to minister to us and to speak into this area of our life. Now, I also recognize that I'm, I'm a little more concerned, a little more nervous than normal um, talking about a topic like this. Uh, talking to people before the service, and they, they you know, you, most of you got a heads up what we were talking about, and uh, who's preaching? And Casey said, oh, I bet Nick. How come? Because he always gets all the awkward things. <laughs> and I, that's dangerous, because I'm also a little immature, so I don't know what's going to come out today. But I really, I, I do want to pray for us, and I know a lot of people have been praying. Uh, we they pray to start the service, pray behind here, pray over us all the time pray over you guys all the time, but I really do think the beauty of this is it's, uh, sexuality is so sacred, uh, it's so beautiful, it's always in play, directly or indirectly, but because of the power of it and because of that design, it's also so very dangerous. Uh, it's been incredibly hurtful for a lot of us. It's been incredibly confusing. And so if you guys are up for it, would you just join me and I want to pray over us, over you. Father, we, we come underneath you once again. And I'm so grateful that you are sovereign, creator, sustainer, savior. You are our power, Holy Spirit. You are our wisdom. You are our shield and our rock and our fortress. You are our armor, Jesus. And so I'm thankful that regardless of how well uh, Sherry and I present, um, that you will accomplish your plan, that the hands and souls of these people are uh, upon you and not us. I do pray for their hearts and their minds and their eyes to be um, 
receptive and sensitive to just allow you to speak into this area of their life. We all come with so many different spaces and perspectives and lenses about this topic. And so once again, let us simply come underneath you and understand and recognize you are perfect in all of your ways. You are so good to us that you have plans for us to prosper, that you have brought freedom into our lives. And so I pray that that would take place and be experienced today. We also know we have an enemy who would love to divide, love to condemn, love to cause fraction. And so we stand against Satan in the name of Jesus and understand and recognize that uh, declare he has no place here. Amen. All right, so we're going to hammer through a couple things, and it's not going to be fully unpacked and focused as you can imagine. But my prayer is that God grabs one or two things that speaks into your heart, uh, challenges you, encourages you, and there's a good chance some way, somehow, you're going to have to follow up on this either just between you and God or with trusted friends, that those things that God has started to, to move in your heart and in your mind, uh, my encouragement is uh, invite him deep into that space and take action towards it for freedom, for health, for healing, for whatever is appropriate in your life. So the first thing I think we need to lay aside, so as scripture says, lay aside every weight and sin that so e easily entangles us. I think one of the first things we have to lay aside is our past. Then we'll walk through what it looks like to, is to lay aside our unhealthy practices. And last, and I think perhaps most important, is to lay aside those false perceptions we have about ourselves, about God, about sexuality. So starting in the past, let me just say I understand, I think all of us come with uh, some form of misconception, some form of unhealth, some form of abuse sexually. We, we bring some really distorted views to our present picture of who we are and sex and sexuality. So those of you who have experienced some really difficult, uh, been victimized by sexual abuse, and I know there's plenty out here, and sometimes it's really, really hard to even open up in here. We understand that. But my desire is that you would understand that God is greater than any hurt, any misuse, any pain that has taken place in your life that there is no pain on earth that heaven can't heal. And there's a lot of consequences that you will have to battle for a lot of your life, but some of those are mental, some of those can be physical, but that's why we fully believe that God is a redeemer, that God redeems all things. As we're talking about, as Josh was praying about Easter, and he, he emphasized the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And my desire is for you to understand and ask yourself, how does the resurrection of Jesus Christ speak into this part of your life? One of the most healing and, and quickest things that I have seen bring you from a place of getting stuck, a place of deep trauma out of that, is when we have the opportunity to hand our abuser, to hand the one who misused sexuality, to hand the one who misused us over to God, in order for him to handle it in perfect wisdom, at the perfect time, and in holiness and justice. It's another way to say forgiveness. Forgiveness is not acting like it wasn't wrong. Forgiveness is not minimizing it. 
Forgiveness is simply to say, God, I turn this over to you, and I trust you to handle this perfect time, perfect wisdom, and in perfect justice. I want to be free. Many of us come here and we understand, we recognize we have tons of past sexual sins that we have been a part of, that we have committed. And so it's easy for the enemy to weigh that on us and that entangles us over and over and over again. Solution to that is well. It's a process of repentance. It's a process to come before God naked and unashamed, knowing that he's gracious, that he's merciful, that he's forgiving, that the cross and the resurrection has done all to nail all of my sins, past, present, and future, to that cross to put those things in the grave. And if I have put on Christ, if I have accepted Christ, then I am totally, wholly justified before him, that I stand fully accepted by Father. And so repentance is simply receiving that forgiveness, recognizing the wrong and the need for it. And then one thing that I think is valuable and helpful that Ransom Heart Ministries, John and Stacey Eldridge, talk about praying the cross in between you and the other person, you and the other people, you and the, the event. And really that's another way of recognizing that the power of forgiveness, the power of redemption, the power of the resurrection speaks not just on Easter Sunday, but speaks into these connections and into these bonds and into these memories and into these areas of shame and into these areas of guilt. And we allow the cross of Jesus Christ to go between and sever things that are no longer meant for, to bind us. If you have any awesome thoughts, you just jump right in, okay? <laughs> The last thing is our current struggles. This one I feel is, is fairly obvious. Uh, there's, there's plenty of us who have, have current struggles with sexuality. Either we can't stand to look at it, which I would consider as a struggle. Either we're caught in addiction of it. Either it's just a part of the way we play the game with, uh, with culture, gaining value or gaining affirmation by using our sexuality. However it is, there's certain practices that we're partaking in that are not healthy, that are not of God that use other people, um, that sell ourselves for some sort of gain. And I think those are the things that seem, those practices are things that I think we're called to set aside. We're called to lay aside, and that's my encouragement. So you know what your current struggle is. You know in ways that you use these in, in unhealthy ways. Uh, so bring those before God and ask him, what would it look like to lay this aside? That can be as simple as uh, eliminating Instagram on your phone. It can mean putting filters on your router. It can mean always bringing a friend to events that you know might be dangerous. It can mean never being alone with a specific person. All kinds of opportunities that I think if you ask God, he will show you what that would look like. And then lastly, we want to dive in, and we're going to help you with this, I hope, is to lay aside, to eliminate, to push away, to burn, to destroy, to utterly demolish these misconceptions about God and yourself and sexuality. So here's the first thing I want us to look to. Here's the first thing I want us to 
put on. Here's the first thing I want us to fix our eyes on. I truly believe that you are a sexual being for the purpose of knowing God more fully. I believe that knowing God more fully will guard, guide, and govern your sexuality. I believe that all misuses of my sexuality distort the knowledge of God. Anything that I do that is not in line with his design distorts the image and the knowledge of who he is. And I'm convinced that true knowledge of God prevents sexual corruption. If I fully know and understand God, if I am obsessed and consumed with the person of Jesus Christ, Scripture says in Galatians 5.16, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. There's plenty of times and plenty of um, places in Scripture that he talks about fleeing from evil, hating evil, putting aside evil, tearing evil down. But all of that is for the purpose of what? In order to walk in righteousness. I believe what we're putting on or what we're saying yes to is far more important than what we're saying no to. So as we ask God to speak into these misuses, my encouragement is if that's a tough place, if you can't figure out all what that looks like, just be obsessed with loving God. Love Jesus and do as you please. And so many of these things that entangle us, I believe, will fall away and you will find yourself running the race set before you. Towards the end of this, we're going to talk about what does it look like to cultivate or to build disciplines into your life that help that. And so I'm going to give you two right now, and then maybe we'll talk about what it looks like. The first discipline, if you're writing notes, the first discipline is invitation and confession. So I believe that if every person had a, a battle buddy, had a trusted friend, had an armor bearer, that they invited into their life in the area of sexuality to speak into it, to keep them accountable, to ask how it's going, to say, how are you presenting yourself? I believe if, if you and I had a trusted brother and sister in Christ who has come underneath the scriptures and we invite that person into this area of our lives, it will radically change how the enemy uses it. So that invitation could simply be, hey, I want, God's been working on my heart in the area of purity. God's been working on my heart and showing me that I need to present my sexuality to him and I need someone to help me with that. So would you be my accountability partner? Would you be someone that I can confess to when I'm, when I'm going the wrong way here? Would you be someone that says, hey, how are you presenting yourself to God in the area of sexuality, whether you're single or whether you're married? Invite someone into your life as a brother and sister in Christ to really uphold you in this area. Romans 6.13 says this, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So the thing that sticks out to me is it's, it's separating certain parts of our body, members, whether it's my eyes, whether it's my hands, whether it's my sexual organs. It's saying these things are all been placed there by God and we're to present all of those things to God 
as instruments of righteousness. But then ultimately it says, present yourself, understanding that you have all kinds of spaces and parts, and none of them are to be separated. You all are emotional beings. You all are spiritual beings. You all are thinking beings. And that, that makes you up. And your sexuality is a part of that. So we cannot separate our sexuality from relationship. So, so much of what we learn, we'll talk through some pretty specific things that Scripture says, but so much of what we understand and know and apply sexually is implied in the rest of Scripture. Most of us know that this is a story about a relationship with God. And it never stays there, does it? It always goes here, and it always goes here. So everything we know about loving people, everything we know about considering others before ourselves, everything the Bible speaks into as far as relationships, somehow is tied and connected to your sexuality. And so part of it is just opening my eyes to understand that, that our relationships are driven by sexuality. That doesn't mean I'm looking for sex all the time. There's a huge difference. Sexuality has a lot to do with your identity. Sexuality has a lot to do with your gender. Sexuality has to do with your sex drive. But sexuality is about emotional, relational, physical connection. And the second we try to separate that, we get ourselves in trouble. So one thing that I think is important is unpacking this, this connection between body, soul, and spirit and recognizing that every human was made in the image of God. So what does it look like and what does that mean for us to be made in the image of God and then how does our sexuality link to that? Something you're up for sharing? Yeah. Make sure this is, can you hear me through this? No? It's on? Okay. Um, yeah, so like Nick said, we as human beings are separate. You know, we're, we're it's not on? Let me talk really, really loud. Thanks, it's Tom. muted. Oh, it's I think muted you just hold now. that down. It's muted now. I can just talk really loud too if I need to. Check. There we go. Okay. So, um, like Nick said, we as human beings have this special creation. We were separated different than animals, different than um, plants and um, the waters of the sea. We were set apart. We were made in the image of God. And the beauty of that is that it gives us this dignity and value and worth that is different than the rest of, of creation. And um, how I would explain made in the image of God is realizing that as a human being, we have the capacity to have the Spirit of God inside of us. And no other creation has that. So it's a pretty set-apart, special um, creation. So Adam and Eve, obviously, they were our, the first human beings, and they were image bearers of God. And so now we have followed suit with that. And after the fall... So what we're kind of talking about today, we began to exploit one another and to not to actually maim that image. And we became suspicious and fear replaced love and trust for one another. 
And so the very image of God becomes distorted. And when we are believers, the very truest part of ourself is just that that spirit is united with God, right? And that part is completely sanctified, completely holy, completely justified. And then how we are representing ourselves, so our body is kind of like this vehicle that, as Romans says, we're to present that before the living God. We're supposed to act out of the members of our body in accordance with the very truest self, which is united with the Spirit of God. And um, you want me to go into kind of like the, the maiming of the... One of the, um, a cool just kind of little tagline that I read somewhere, and I, I don't like when I can't give credit where credit is due, but how you treat the creation reflects really how you feel about the creator. And I think one of my heartbeats is recognizing that the authority of scripture is just so important when you look at something like this, when you look at all of life, really. Um, it's God who has to define what that image looks like, how we are to present ourselves. If we really believe he has the greatest good, he is the greatest good and he has the greatest for us, that is your plumb line, is really looking to scripture for how you are made, your significance, your worth. Um, and obviously at the fall, that's when we, we began to exploit this. Um, so then every sin in the realm of sexuality is really a direct maiming of the image of God. And again, how we treat one another as well as how we treat ourselves is really a direct response to kind of how we believe, what we believe about the creator. Um, so let's just kind of name a few sins, sexual sins, and just see how that mars the very image of God. Um, so same-sex activity and marriage, it doesn't reflect the male and female counterparts of God and his design. And Jesus, we know he was the, the greatest representation of both male and female, right? Pornography, it's exploiting the beauty of sexuality and the intimacy between one man and one woman. Adultery really spits in the face of faithfulness and honoring of the beloved. Jesus as the bridegroom and us as the bride. Sex before marriage denies the call to become one. It rejects as the commitment and faithfulness and devotion under the guidance of God. A new one that we're really talking about, it seems like these days, is gender fluidity. Um, that declares God as inadequate or incapable of choosing our correct gender. And actually, it's really a declaration of self-authority, playing God, seeking to transcend his authority. Lust promises what it can't deliver, believing that good is possible apart from God. The idea that we are lacking something, some sensory craving, and the lie that what is in front of us will fulfill our longing. Lust is always built on a lie. So this, this sexual sin, is, it leads to shame and guilt and secrecy and um, the very things Nick is talking about as far as what you war against to not isolate, to be in secret. And going back to our, our verse that we're looking at today, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that Jesus has provided that redemption in every one of these areas. He despised the shame, he wiped away the guilt, and reveals a new creation. And that's 
going back to how we're designed in the made in the image of God that we have the spirit that's united with him and that's what we want to proclaim so there's a couple things that I think we take from this whether you are married or whether you are single and a big part of this is understanding if we have a right perspective of the use and the purpose of sex I think it motivates us in any area of life and so one is this um, Scripture says in, in marriage, the two became one flesh. And the Hebrew word for one is ichad, E-C-H-A-D. And it's this oneness that comes from two separate things joining together. In Deuteronomy, the famous Jewish prayer recited over and over by Jewish people is the Lord our God, the Lord is ichad, the Lord is one. It's this declaration that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come together as one. And so we start to recognize that sex is really about the gospel. Sex is really about reflecting and declaring who God is. And so he gives us some guidelines, uh, way, best practices, um, things to avoid, things to get in line with. So, as Sherry said, we will reflect the true image of God in all that we say and all that we do. And so one of the things that has stuck out to me the most is I believe that, that sex is the highest form of physical oneness. And it's designed to include your whole being. And so sex is connection. Sex creates intimacy. Sex creates a bond. Sex creates unity. Sex allows one person to feel loved. Sex is supposed to be delighted in. Pleasure. All of those things are gospel language. We're called to rejoice in God. We're called to delight in Him. We know the, the very essence of Christianity is unity, connection, oneness with God. And so when we understand the high, high calling and purpose of sex, it becomes so much more than just one thing. And we understand that in relationship, there is so much more that unites a husband and a wife than just sex. Sex is just a part of it. Very, very powerful, but we ought to be pursuing connection in every way we can. Whether that's a connection in the bedroom and out of the bedroom as a married couple. So that can mean cultivating friendship throughout the day, cultivating safety throughout our entire marriage so that sex becomes a celebration of what's already true, the two becoming one. Listen to the gene. Sex protects. There's so many things out there looking to destroy and divide to, to distract, right? Sex in the context of oneness, covenant relationship, similar to the oneness and covenant relationship that God has made possible with me through Jesus Christ, it protects me from so many things, so many ambushes. Sex is a weapon against the enemy. Our genius God, I want to read a couple things to you guys for you uh, science nerds and uh, psychology nerds out there. And the biochemical effects that take place. And I want you to see the beauty of creation 
But when we lay up and say what sex is, I want you to also understand when we know that, I think that is the greatest thing we can offer singles, I can offer my kids, so that they do not cheapen it. So it is held in such honor that they know there is such pleasure and such goodness when we use it as it's designed to be used. My, my younger brother is a great chef, and so one of the gifts that we gave him is this phenomenal Japanese cooking knife. It's beautiful Damascus steel, phenomenal handle. When it's in his hand, it does glorious things. But I'm not going to run that thing downstairs and give it to a three-year-old. There's nothing wrong with the knife. It's beautiful, but it's also dangerous. You put it in the right context, in the right hands, use the right way, and it can create such fun, such pleasure, such delight. You, you handle these things poorly. You put them in the wrong hands at the wrong time, in the wrong place, and they cause severe cuts and destruction. And so all of this, instead of only preaching to our kids, don't have sex till you're married, don't have sex till you're married, don't have sex till you're married, you got married, go have sex. Like, let's show them that it is all about what's here and it's an expression, and let's show them it's all about the gospel. So here's the beauty of God. So dopamine is a chemical, the reward center of your brain. It teaches you to do something again. It's useful in carrying on life. So if your body is thirsty and you get a drink, it dumps, and then you realize, whoa, it helps me understand. I got a drink here last time. And so you think of the caveman days. It's part of what kept the human race going, right? Its job is to remind us of where to get satisfied and to fulfill these natural drives. Sexual behavior releases tons of dopamine. Sexual climax releases tremendous amounts of dopamine. It gives your body a sense of focus and a sense of tension. Now think through that. In the proper context, in a covenant of marriage, that's a beautiful thing. Dumping that other places is a dangerous thing. Proverbs says, drink water from your own cistern. Be intoxicated with the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. It says, don't drink water from someone else's well. Why be united to a foreign person? Neoprenephrine increases alertness. God asks me to be focused on her. And so he moves my body to help me focus on her. Oxytocin and valsopressin, it is thing, it's a chemical that helps bond people together. And so it's dumped in sexual activity, and it's dumped when a woman is breastfeeding her baby. It's designed to promote oneness. So for me to bring that anywhere else, you can see how devastating that would be. Serotonin is that calmness, that sense of satisfaction, that sense of being okay and safe. And so you think about even the way that God has fearfully and wonderfully made our bodies and the chemicals, it's all moving somewhere to produce oneness in the right context, unity in the right context, love in the right context. And so I recognize and understand to embrace his design soon turns into not just me longing for or craving for a sexual activity, but a longing for and a craving for a person. And so we talk a lot about heterosexual and homosexual and all the different sexuals of the day. 
Well, if we understand and recognize that this is placed by God, we start to understand that the attraction in and of itself isn't what he's after. Big deal. You want to say you're attracted to this or attracted to that? I don't care. I might be attracted to plenty of people, but what am I going to entertain? What am I going to act on? If I'm attracted to another female that's not hers, in and of itself, is that wrong? No. But what do I do with that? Do I understand and recognize that that, that, that woman is either to be treated as a sister, as a mother if she's older, as a daughter if she's younger, or for me, is she dangerous? So I don't have to be mean, but danger, what do we do in Scripture? It says avoid it. I'm called to be sherry-sexual, not necessarily heterosexual. And if you're a Christian, so are you. <laughs> and so I don't want you to beat yourself up or focus in on what things are alluring to you or what things you're attracted to. I want you to take those attractions and bring them to God and surrender your activities to him. Surrender your actions to him. And I am telling you, this is an nearly an impossible fight without the discipline of inviting other people in. Satan would love to isolate you. Satan would love for you right now to feel like, if I only knew the things you struggle with. Satan would right now love to separate you from the people next to you in shame and secrecy. And my friends, that's where the enemy gets a foothold. That's where the enemy grows. So the discipline to carry away is invitation and confession. Let me read a couple things. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 and 19. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a man commits is outside his body, but he who sins sexually commits sin against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Our sexuality is all about the gospel. Our sexuality is all about experiencing the person of Jesus Christ. So my plea is invite him into this space so one, he can heal where he needs healed, and two, so he can govern and guide where he needs governed and guided. Second Peter says that we are partakers of divine nature. And so there's a couple spaces you might fit in here. If you have never received the person of Jesus Christ, if you haven't received his forgiveness, and you haven't received his indwelling, and so you are not one with him, but if this idea of even sexuality sounds like, huh, that, that's, that's interesting because that sounds more than just rules and regulations and creeds to follow. That sounds like intimacy. That sounds like something so sacred that I've had a taste of with another human and is very powerful. And you're telling me that the living God might want that kind of unity with me? So that whatever I do with my body and my sexuality, married or single, can be an expression of worship. Then your sexuality can lead you to Jesus Christ, salvation, and eternal security. 
If you're a child of God, then the Spirit of God lives in you, and you are designed to reflect Him. And so some of this is hard work, and some of this is crazy natural. Rogan, come here a minute, buddy. So Scripture says that we are partakers of divine nature. So this is our youngest, Brogan. He's nine. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> so God creates men and women, boys and girls. So God used us to create him. Now, Brogan can mimic me all he wants, right? I didn't tell him to do this. <laughs> but he can put a suit on because dad has a suit on. He can cut his hair like dad cuts his hair. There's a lot of things that he can mimic, but to be honest with you, all the boys in the church could do the same thing. They could put a suit on and try to copy me. They could put a, cut their hair like me and try to look like me. But there's some things that this guy does, he doesn't have to try. He just walks like dad, he talks like dad. Right? Why? Not because he's trying to copy me. Because my nature runs through his blood. My DNA is in him. So certain things just come out. And I think that's the Christian life. When you understand that God is in you, it will just come out. It is not about trying to mimic Jesus. Jesus was single. Good luck with that if you're married. But it's about understanding and surrendering and recognizing all of your life. He is there and his, our design is simply to let it out in every facet of our life. And you find yourself some things that you don't even try. You can't not act like him. But the things that we need to lay aside, the things that entangle us, those are the things that we lay aside. And the rest is just fix your eyes on Jesus. And you will look like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, there's, I feel so incomplete. There's a hundred different streams we could start down to allow you to inform and speak over and minister in to who we are as beings, into our sexuality. I have such a desire to talk through what it looks like in this area or that area. But God, I'm totally convinced that you are big enough, that you have supplied the resources for the people in this room and listening to surround them, to surround each other, to allow God to be Lord of our bodies, to allow God to be Lord of our sex drive, to allow God to be Lord of our gender, to allow God to be Lord of our sexuality. And so I just pray for surrendered spirits. I pray for an openness and a presentation of our lives to you that says, please speak into this. Please come reign in this area of our life. And we trust you to do it in your time and in perfect holiness. Amen. Turn 
hillside where justice and mercy embrace there the son of god gave his life for us and our measureless debt was erased jesus to you Savior ever true, oh Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Turn your eyes to the morning and see Christ the lion awake. What a glorious dawn fear of death is gone for we carry his life in our veins Jesus to you we lift our eyes Jesus our glory and our prize we adore you behold you our Savior ever true Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Turn your eyes to the heavens. Our King will return for his own. Every knee will bow, every tongue will shout. All glory to Jesus alone. Will you stand and sing this with me? Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Amen. Continue to turn your eyes to Jesus, and we'll see you guys next week.